0: everyone and welcome back to another episode of for the love of dharma i am your host heather love if you follow astrology at all you know that eclipse season is upon us this comes around twice a year and it is a magnet for so many big shifts in people's lives engagements divorces babies new houses new jobs all the things While I haven't seen any of those specific things in my personal life, I know it's happening. And that's not to say there aren't parts of my life that are going through a transition, but more on that in another episode. For me, I have mostly just been feeling extremely exhausted, so I have been trying to honor that. There is a lot of energy moving right now. So, to try to fight that is honestly just a futile attempt at control, and it will rarely work out in your favor. So, feel the feels without judgment and know that this too shall pass. In today's episode, I introduce you to health and wellness coach Sandy Cohen sandy's passion for life is contagious and she will have you seeing the world through new lenses by the time you're done listening we talk about what inner peace is why it seems to be so elusive for some people and what we can do to find it we talk about the importance of sleep and how feeling rested positively impacts every area of your life We also spent some time talking about her former life as a Hollywood reporter, where she has a lot of fun stories to share, so you don't want to miss it. Today, she is a senior writer at UCLA Health and working towards her master's degree. Sandy has a podcast called Inner Peace to Go, so make sure you check that out in today's show notes. Let's get started. Hi, Sandy. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: I am so excited to talk to you. You have just the brightest spirit coming through the screen, and you've got this beautiful purple hair, and you had these green glasses on, and you just are such an amazing presence, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to talk to you. So the way I like to start all my guest episodes is by having you pick either red or blue. And I have a blue book and red book, and you get to get a random question from the book. Blue. What will keep you busy in the next five years? Ooh,
1: well, so many things. Cause I'm like such a busy person. <laughs> I like to fill my time with stuff that excites me. So I'm working on a master's degree and I should be finished probably in the next two years, I'm only taking one class at a time. So it's like taking forever, but I keep thinking about that because the finals are just finishing now for this semester. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. It's slow, but the years are going to pass anyway. And then I'm going to have like this master's degree. So I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about coaching. Um, my coaching practice is fledgling, but I'm getting it going. And so I'm sure that in the, like by the time five years comes, I'm expecting to be doing that Full time and also writing. I write now. That's been my profession for the last 25 years. But I'm really interested in writing more about well being and mental health, like the stuff that I really. I'm personally interested in right now. I'm writing about health, um, which I am personally interested in. And I used to write about entertainment, which I was less personally interested in. So I'm excited to like, I feel like I'm still becoming more myself. So I think that's, what's going to be keeping me busy in the next five years.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And I love what you said that the time is going to pass anyway. So let's do something with that time instead of just watching the time pass by. Let's, let's put something into that.
1: Yes, because like, that's how I feel about this master's program. Like, oh, it's taking forever, but it's like, okay. But at the end of quote unquote forever, like I'll have this master's degree. And then that's like, I permanently get to keep it. So, um, since I just like, I just finished my finals assignment yesterday. So I'm really thinking about that, um, class ending and a new semester beginning in the summer and, um, plugging away to that master's degree.
0: And what is the master's degree in,
1: uh, in public health.
0: Interesting. Okay. Very cool. So I know you have a very interesting life and I can't wait to dive in. But the first thing I'd like to know is what was Sandy's personality as a kid? What were you like? What did you do for fun?
1: Oh my gosh. I think I was pretty much how I am now. I've always been a very high energy person. And frankly, I wondered like in my twenties, like, am I going to be high energy? Like even when I'm like in my forties and stuff. And the answer is yes. Um, (laughs) so i always like to dance uh, i still like to dance i was like in the drill team and on the cheerleading team when i was growing up um i really like to to play outside and go to the beach and i still like those things today um and also crafting like i really like crafting i like that as a kid more recently i've had to time to do it again so i make like some dolls and uh stuff like that so i would say that's kind of how I was when I was little. I feel like I'm the same person. And that's the trip about aging is, I don't know, when I was younger, I thought like when you got older that somehow you were like much more refined or like knew so much more and whatever. And I don't think that way anymore. I think you stay the same person basically. And maybe you're like a little less impulsive or, you know, hopefully a little wiser, but in essence, you're basically the
0: same. At least I am. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I'm the same. I mean, I guess parts of me are, but, you know, I think I have gotten older and wiser. Right. But it's interesting because as a teenager, I thought someone who was 40 years old was ancient. And now I'm like at 45, I'm like, I feel better than I've ever felt in my whole life. Yes. Well, and I
1: just thought that like grownups, Knew so much more. And I mean, you know, they do, we do in some arenas, but in some areas, like where it comes to like self confidence or some of those things, it's not like that just cements in and now you're good and forever you're confident. Like, I think that's been a surprise to me about getting older, like still feeling like there's so much to do and learn and experience and not like, oh, I've done all that. Now I can just like sit in a rocking chair or something.
0: Yeah. I really don't think we ever have it all figured out. Even though back when I was a kid, I thought the adults had it figured out, but they were just flying by the seat of their pants like everybody else.
1: Totally. I agree. Totally.
0: (laughs) What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I wanted to be a
0: writer. Which you ended up doing. So that's amazing.
1: I still want to be a writer. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to be a writer. I thought when I was little, I used to like make magazines for my mom where I would like illustrate. you know, write little articles and illustrate it. So now I do, I have gotten to write for some magazines. I mostly have written for newspapers in my career, but yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed writing and I'm so grateful that I get to do it. And writing is one of those weird jobs where it's like, I don't know how other writers feel, but you never feel like you're at the level that you wish you were at in terms of like the, your skill of expression. So it's, it's a job where there's always room for growth.
0: So interesting. So because you have written as a profession, have you taken time to journal or write for fun as well?
1: Yes. For the last three years, I've been doing morning pages from the Artist Way, where you wake up and freehand write um, three pages. I don't always do three pages now, but I have been doing that near daily, like very few days do I miss um, for at least three years. I've got like 23 journals full. And, um, and I really treasure that practice, even though some days what I write is so mundane, like, oh, yesterday I went to the grocery store, <laughs> like nothing, exciting <laughs> or nothing creative, but just having that as a grounding habit, having a place I can go to like, put my thoughts or my dreams or my worries or mundane stuff that I did the previous day. I, I really love that ritual.
0: I couldn't agree more. I love writing in my journal. And like you said, sometimes it's really mundane. Sometimes it's a little deeper. Sometimes I like to to journal after I meditate and it's just so beautiful and amazing what can come out when you're just sort of free writing and you're not in your head about it.
1: Yes. I do sometimes feel like I am in my head more than I need to be because as a writer for newspapers. And particularly when I worked for the AP, where it was really quick turnaround, you'd kind of edit it and write at the same time. So that's a habit that I've been working to break. And I think that the daily journaling helps with that because it's like, okay, no one's reviewing this. Like, this is not going to be published. Just do whatever, you know.
0: I just recently picked up, they have an artist way book for parents. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. And My kids are a little bit older and they're very, very creative. I think that's just something they inherited from me, but I got it because I want to read it and decide if it's something I can teach to parents, because I think that would be so fascinating because as adults, we do lose that creativity or, or the judgment probably sets in more than losing the creativity, the judgment sets in and then we stop being creative because of it. So I would like to, read that to see how it incorporates creativity into teaching parents how to allow their children to be creative.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I have a colleague who leads groups in, in, uh, in the artist way in the book. She leads groups doing that and she loves doing that. And it creates such a nice community. And I also, Julia Cameron has another book. It's not like I'm going to say it's the artist way for retirees but it's not but it's kind of like aimed at an older audience. I haven't read it yet but I bought it um to for something similar like to see what is what are the differences there because the artist way is such a stalwart book like you know I first got it in the 90s I think and then I really dug into it just in the last few years. So yeah, there's so many treasures in it.
0: Yeah, I think I want to say it's maybe like the 25th anniversary right now or it recently was. So it's been around for a while. Yeah. I'm curious if you know your human design because you have a lot of either generator or manifesting generator energy. So I'm super curious if you know what yours is.
1: I don't, I don't. In fact, I didn't even know what human design was, but I think that we have a classmate from our podcast class who's an expert in it. I, and I just learned about Enneagram too. So I am just digging into that. Oh,
0: I can't wait for you to find out because I'm, you have so much energy. You have got to have, like I said, either generator or manifesting generator.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to look into it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. You wanted to be a writer when you were a kid. You became a writer as an adult, but tell me a little bit about what that looked like. You said newspapers. I know newspapers aren't Really, a big thing anymore. Um, I know you had a role in Hollywood, so kind of what what did all of that look like for you?
1: I majored in English in college, and I knew I wanted to write because I just lo- I love to read, and you know I just love words and what they you know where they can take us. And so when I graduated from college, with my bachelor's, I was like, okay, who gets paid to write? Like, how can I get a job as a writer? And then I was like, okay, well, novelists get paid to write, but that seems like it would take a really long time. Um, Screenwriters get paid to write. That seems like it'd be like really competitive. Um, What about newspapers? And at the time I graduated from college, there were still lots of newspapers, like a newspaper in every town and city. So that was what I aimed for. And I could not have imagined how great of a fit it would be for me because it involves pursuing things that are interesting and then talking to interesting people about what they've got going on and then writing about it. So it, I have loved it ever since like my beginning days of it in the mid 90s. I worked for a weekly newspaper here in Los Angeles. Then I worked for the community newspaper in the town I grew up in, which is Torrance. And uh, and then I worked for the Associated Press covering, covering Hollywood. So I got to do like a weekly, a daily, and then like a minutely <laughs> working for the AP because it's, you know, they're always on deadline because they publish for the world. So it's been a very interesting career. And Now I work for uh, Academic Medical Center here in LA and write about scientific research and health concerns, been a lot about COVID over the last couple of years, but it's a slower pace than than the daily and the minutely.
0: Yeah, that's, it sounds like in some ways, and I never thought about this before, but newspapers were sort of the precursor to podcasts in a lot of ways. You get to have conversations with people and now you, instead of writing them down, you record them and then you put them out there into the world.
1: Well, I feel the same way and I'm drawing on a lot of those same skills to do interviews for my podcast and, and and to write the show notes, right? It's, I mean, obviously it's different because I don't have to explain everything in the show notes because you listen to the episode and everything's there, but yes, they, they are totally that kind of storytelling vehicle.
0: So you said you worked in Hollywood. So I'm super curious about what led you to Hollywood and if you met any super cool people or what was like the most fun experience that you had?
1: Oh my God. I met all the super cool people. So what led me to Hollywood was I was working at this daily newspaper in Torrance and a colleague of mine there had gone to work for the Associated Press in LA. This position came available and she's like, Sandy, you should apply. And I said, oh, they don't want somebody who works for the Daily Breeze. That was the name of the paper I worked at. They want somebody who works for like the Boston Globe or like the New York Times. You know, they want like a big shot, like I'm a small shot. And she's like, well, just get your resume out there. It'd be good for you to just get your resume and, you know, just go for it. So I went for it never in a thousand years thinking that they would hire me. And then they did. (laughs) So then I got that job and I was like, oh, my God, this is my job now. So that involved interviewing celebrities, going to the award shows, um, writing about, you know, new film releases, new show television show debuts, uh, writing about celebrity news as it relates to like arrests, divorces, things like that, deaths.
0: Um, All the good gossip. All the good yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Like and around the time that I was doing this was when like Britney Spears was having her meltdown, when Lindsay Lohan was getting arrested all the time, like when Mel Gibson had his big blowout arrest. So it was very much nonstop. But my most exciting moments were um, at the Academy Awards. I've covered the Academy Awards for um, well, I covered it for 18 years five of them at the daily newspaper and then the other 13 with, with the Associated Press and the kind of access I had was just unbelievable. Like I would be standing where the Oscar statues are like, they oh, let like wow. three reporters in this area. So it'd be me like the New York times and, you know, Vogue or some, some other big outlet variety, maybe. Oh no, LA times. And so the three of us would be like standing back there right where the trophies are. So we would see them hand the trophy. to Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal go present this award. We see him and he's like going out there, you know? And then whoever won would be coming back there. Like they just won an Oscar and I'm among the first faces they see even though they can't really see me. But you know, like I'm standing there. So that was so thrilling and like unbelievable. Like, am I standing here? Like I remember one time Oprah was presenting and so there's a monitor in this backstage area where they can see what's on the stage. And so they can, you know, okay, this one person's walking off, you need to get ready. You know, like it's all time. There's stage managers there. And so Oprah was standing back there. I don't know if she had just presented or was about to present, but I'm like standing side by side with Oprah watching the monitor, like, Oh my God, this one, won, And how exciting. And, you know, I mean, she doesn't like it, know who I am in any way. I'm just like a worker back there, but it's like, I'm like standing here with Oprah. Like, how crazy is this? You know, but you know, it's funny as I tell you this, I am reminded that my very first beat when I worked at the Daily Breeze newspaper in Torrance was I covered city council and I covered city council for a town called Gardena. And in order to get to know the city council members, you tried to like hang out with them. And I was like 26 years old or, you know, around there and these city council people were all, you know, retirees and all dudes. And I remember one time they were like all going out for pie after the city council meeting. And so I went because I wanted to be like, Hey, you know what's happening in the city. And, um, and I remember I was sitting there at, you know, like Coco's or whatever restaurant it was and having pie with these like old retired guys and thinking like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so weird. And so it's like that same kind of feeling, like when I'm standing backstage with Oprah, like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like, I mean, it's way more exciting to be with Oprah than having pie with the old guys, but that same sort of feeling of like, huh, this is where I am. How cool is this? Or how interesting?
0: I think meeting Oprah would be just one of those pinch me moments because she's just one of those people. She's so fascinating and has led just such an interesting life that it would be hard for me to keep my composure standing there with her.
1: That, you know, one thing that, and I guess this is just like in my, my makeup, uh, you know, well, I remember when I interviewed for the job, they would like, how would you act if you met like your favorite actress? And I was like, well, I mean, i I'd act the same way I'm acting with you. Like, I mean, there's this no act. It's just, this is it, you know? So, so I think that that really helped a lot. I mean, I of course was wowed by a lot of these circumstances and I admired the people who I interviewed so much, but I also felt like I'm here doing a job. You're here doing a job. Let's each do our jobs. Let's try to have a little fun with it. And, you know, we'll see you later. So, so That really helped. I mean, when I, I actually interviewed Oprah once over the phone and she's the type of person who uses your name a lot in the interview, like, let me tell you Sandy. And here's what happened, Sandy. And I was like, Oh my God, she's like saying my name. It's Oprah saying my name. And you know, her voice so well, especially if you like listen to super soul. And so, um, So, yeah, I mean, it was super exciting, but I was never just talking to a celebrity as like, hey, we're chums. I was always talking to them in the context of like, you're promoting this project or you've been given this award. So let's talk about what it means to you. And, And my natural curiosity would just lead me, it became the same way we're talking now, you know, like, just, so tell me about it. And how was that? And what do you think? And so- I didn't feel too starstruck. Also, that was my job. Like I had, I was always on deadline. So it's like, you couldn't just be like, "Wee, I'm in, delighting. you know. It was like, you already had to be writing a story and turning it in.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that helped make you successful though, in that you weren't fawning all over them. You were like, Hey, you're here to promote something. Let me help you promote that and get it out into the world.
1: Yeah. I'm your vehicle for that. So like let's, and, and to the, the interactions with celebrities most of the time are highly controlled and timed. It's not just like, Oh, let's have a leisurely afternoon, having coffee. Like gen- that happened very rarely. Most of the time it was like, you have 14 minutes. We're going to let you know when it's two minutes left. And th- and then we're going to the next interview. So, so you also felt like a certain by you, I mean, me felt a certain pressure to, let me get through these questions. Do I have everything I need? I need them to address this thing. Um, Sometimes you'd have to ask them something challenging. So I'd like save that for the end. So, okay. When they give me the two minute warning, I'm going to jump in with this like weird question. Um, So yeah, it was, it was highly controlled. There was not like, I I used to joke with a, a colleague of mine. There was a story I had interviewed Daniel day Lewis, which was like a wonderful interview super controlled, highly timed. And around the time that my story was published, there was a story in the New York times with Daniel day Lewis, and they had gone like driving through the Irish countryside. And so I used to joke with my colleague, like, how can we never get to go driving through the Irish countryside? So it's not an Irish countryside drive. It's very much like a controlled timed
0: situation. Yeah. It's not a leisurely conversation. You actually have to get through what you need from them. Yeah. All right, one last question about Hollywood, and then we will move on to real life today. uh, Just because I'm fascinated, what was your most either memorable or horrifying interview that you had with someone?
1: Well, I'd rather talk about memorable than horrifying because I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to disparage anybody. One, you know what comes to mind is I had I got to have lunch with Don Cheadle, and this was right after Kendrick Lamar's album came out, and it was right after the Grammys. And I remember Don Cheadle was like, I almost Kanye'd because Kendrick didn't win the Grammy or whatever it was. He had put that on, on social media. So I wanted to ask him about it uh, in our interview, even though the interview was about uh, Don Cheadle had made a movie where he played Miles Davis. And that's what the interview was about, but this was music oriented, right? You watch the Grammys. And, and so I remember asking about it. And then I was like, you know, I've been listening to the album, uh, the Kendrick album. And I was like, who is he talking about when he says Lucy? Cause I, I think it was the, it was not damn, it was the album before that, to pimp a butterfly or something like that. And uh and I was like, who is he talking about when he says Lucy? And Don Cheadle was like, it's Lucifer. And he looked at me like, you dodo
0: brain, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it was just fun because that felt like a real exchange. That felt like a a real
1: exchange <laughs> between like, oh, we're both into this album. And uh, and then and then Cheadle went on after this, like a couple years later, when the next when damn Kendrick Lamar damn album came out, Cheadle was in the video uh, for one of the songs. And I thought, oh, that's so cool, because I know he's a fan. So that was a really memorable, really nice moment.
0: Oh, my gosh, that is so fun. So fun. Okay. So let's shift gears to today. And now you have a podcast called inner peace to go, which is amazing. And everyone should go listen to it. I have been binging on all the episodes. They're so good. Oh,
1: Thank you.
0: What I would like to know is what does inner peace mean to you?
1: That's a question I always ask my guests. I mean, to me, it's like feeling grounded on your own two feet. It's a sense of resilience. It's a sense of, I can rely on myself it's a sense of like, I'm not flying all over at the whims of the world. I'm, I'm right here. And I know I'm right here and yeah, resilience, I can handle what life throws at me. It's, it's like happiness, but more profound in a way, like, like a solidity, uh, well, either a solidity or an ephemerality, like a, a feeling that, that my essence of who I am is not going to be super shaken by that by the events outside of myself and that's something i've i'm super curious about how to cultivate it's something i think we can always get better at and it's something that i think in the in the loftiest of ways would make life on this planet better if we could all feel a little more like settled and safe inside of ourselves it, it incorporates like self love and and a feeling of belonging it's a big, big concept. I don't even know totally what it all is, but, but it's, it's one that I could ever dig deeper into. So, so that's what it means to me.
0: Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to explain it. I, I really resonate with that. So what do you think holds most people back from having inner peace?
1: Oh, I think it's like our, our internal critic who's always like working over time. I think it's that for me, it, what held me back from it for the longest was just like that drive to achieve and expecting that sort of achievement to return a feeling of peace or or happiness or something like that and i think we're acculturated in that way to you know go 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 you get a house you get a bigger house you get a car you get a nicer car you get a job you get a promotion and like being on that never ending sort of treadmill i think that really keeps us from inner peace because when you're on that drive you might not notice that there's a hummingbird at the feeder outside your window or how peaceful your cat looks with her little paws crossed like this, which I took a picture of my cat like that this morning. <laughs> and I think we miss a lot of the the tiny pleasures of life, which actually make up the goodness of life by being on this go, 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 must achieve, must get. So I think that's what really keeps us from it. And I think inner peace in that way, by this way, I'm just, it is so like simple that we think that there's got to be more to it than that. And one of the discoveries that I continue to, to have is like, Oh, all the things that we heard would bring us peace actually work. (laughs) I don't know why it's like surprising, (laughs) but you know, like doing, like practicing gratitude or slowing down, taking deep breaths. Like the reason why those things work is because they awaken us to, they allow us the room to notice what is, Beautiful and miraculous around us. Like as I talk to you right now, it's windy here today, and as I talk to you right now, I can see palm trees blowing like this out the window, and it's like, how cool is that, you know? But if you're always on deadline, as I used to be, or driving for that next thing and going for that next goal, without you know head to the nose to the grindstone, then then you don't get a chance to look up and see the palm trees and even if you did it might not seem like it was all that much because it's not my next goal and it doesn't come with a million dollars and so i think that i think that that we move sometimes too fast to to recognize the things that might bring us peace
0: so it sounds to me like a lot of what you're saying is really related to being in the present moment and not so much thinking about what happened yesterday what's going on tomorrow but being in the here right now
1: I think so. And I think it's, it's difficult and it's something that we have to like practice to cultivate, you know? Um, But yeah, that's where, that's where all the rich juiciness is. That's where you can really enjoy something. And also you don't have to wait for it. Like I, I used to have this therapist who would say, Sandy, for you, instant gratification takes too long. (laughs) And I, and I felt that way. Like everything was like, ah, I must have it now. But if you can be present, you can, you can have it now. It's not the big shiny thing. It, It might be. But it it's also like the tiny, sweet, delightful miracles that you could be aware of if you're not rushing by them. I mean, and sometimes like, so I like to take walks in the afternoon and even now I can see like sunlight on the leaves of the tree. It almost looks like sequins, you know, and how awesome is that? But if I'm racing by, I don't see it. And then I don't get that little twinge of pleasure of like, oh, huh, those look like sequins, you know, and.
0: I love how you describe that. That's so beautiful, which I'm sure is some of the writer coming out in you to just describe (laughs) that as sequins. It's very rainy here, but one of the things that I have noticed that I do is when I'm out driving. That can be someplace that you'd completely zone out and you have no clue what's going on around you. And I really try to take that time to look around and notice the sun and notice how the grass is moving. And a lot of times I'll see wildlife that had I not been paying attention, I would have never seen that. So I love that so much because I think that by taking those moments, you bring so much more joy into your life just by noticing them.
1: I agree. And I think it's, it's very easy to overlook and to sort of underestimate the value of that.
0: So I know you talked about gratitude and taking deep breaths, but what advice would you give to someone who is looking for this elusive inner peace? Where do they start?
1: Oh, I mean, it's so, it's so dependent on the individual. Right. But, but yeah, I think slowing down, I think opening your mind to consider things, miracles that might seem mundane, you know, like I'm standing here as I talk to you and my feet are in these really cozy slippers. Um, I'm still working from home, so I don't have shoes on. (laughs) But like, what a delight that my feet are in these really cozy slippers and the slippers are goofy looking. They look like little koala faces. So I don't know, start small. And then the advice that I always, always give is get more sleep. Getting enough sleep has made a world of difference in my life. Um, Feeling rested does just incredible wonders for your mood, for your energy, for your skin, for your digestion. I know that when we're driving on that, you know, achievement train or next, 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 you know, we often cheat ourselves out of sleep in order to like get one more thing done or, you know, make that one last call or whatever it is. And, and I would say that if you can get even 10 minutes more, or better yet, an hour more. Like, And if you can do that on the regular, you will feel more peaceful because you will have a deeper reserve of energy, of patience, and even optimism. I mean, there's science behind this. Like people who are well-rested just perform better in every aspect of their lives. And being rested like that might give you the room to notice the sequin-like leaves on the tree or the wildlife that you might otherwise miss when you're driving. So, and sleep is free. We just have to prioritize it.
0: Absolutely. That is such a great reminder because I do think we try to squeeze as much into each day as we possibly can, which is amazing. And we're here, you know, to, to live our lives, but at the expense of sleep and getting rested so that you are energized the next day, you cannot put a price on that. And like you said, it's free, but even if it wasn't, it's priceless. Like it is just so, so, so important.
1: Yes. And I think that we're not really, I mean, we kind of know, like, it's like grandma wisdom, right? Like you already know, like, Oh, get enough sleep, you know, early to bed, early to rise, like that whole thing. But But in the practicality of our lives, we cross it out, even just to like watch another episode of Bridgerton or whatever. Like we just like, no, but I'm enjoying myself. Like why go to bed? But it makes such a difference. I am like a sleep evangelist and It just, it makes a huge difference in your productivity. If you think you're giving up productivity, like, oh, but I won't get all these nine things off my to-do list. Like you would be surprised to find how much more productive you can actually be when you are well rested. And you just like, like, you're just easier going, you're more patient, your mood is better. And then that makes it like easier to get things done.
0: I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I noticed how much more irritable I am when I'm low on sleep and I'm a big fan of napping. So I do that too, but I have a funny story because I had a bed that was very old and the mattress was old. The bed was old. And a couple of weeks ago I was laying in bed and it just collapsed. Oh, the no. Whole- <laughs> the whole bed just collapsed. And I was like, okay, I think this is the sign from the universe that I need a new bed and a new mattress. Anyway, long story short, I now have a new bed with a new mattress and the mattress is the most comfortable thing. And I literally giggle out loud every time I get into bed because I'm so happy to be climbing into bed because it's just like, oh my gosh, I get to sleep in here and it's so amazing and it's so comfy and I'm so grateful.
1: Oh, I love that. Isn't that so wonderful? That's another um, good little inner peace hack too, is like when I, I do what you do, and I will not necessarily giggle about it because our mattress is not that new, but, uh, <laughs> but when I get in bed, I just think like, oh, yay, I'm in bed. Like, how good this feels. I'm cozy and, you know, I'm comfy. I'm going to be here for the next eight hours. Like, yay, this is a delicious little moment. And I I like to read before bed, but even before I open the book, I I just like to just go, oh yeah, sweet. I'm in bed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just taking a moment to appreciate that. And just like, we talked a little bit about gratitude, which I would love to dive in more to find out what kind of gratitude practice you have, but it sounds like Gratitude is just a part of who you are in every moment, which is so beautiful, but yeah, really taking that time. And it just, again, it brings you back to the present because when you're thinking about this is what I'm grateful for right now, it kind of takes away all the worries of the world in that moment.
1: You can't be grateful and anxious at the same time. You really can't or, or angry or anything else. You like you, when you have a moment of gratitude, that's the feeling that you have. And this is something I've been working on more and more. I do it in my journal. When I write my morning pages, I often write what I'm thankful for, but I try to just notice it as I go through my day. And it's one of those things that as you practice it it almost fuels itself because if you're looking for things to be grateful for, you'll notice more things to be grateful for. I mean, our brains are designed to work this way. I've talked about it before. Like, um, you know, if you buy a new blue Honda, all of a sudden you see all the blue Hondas on the road. It's not that they weren't there before, but you weren't noticing it. And it's similar with gratitude. So if you start looking for things to be grateful for, you'll notice way more things to be grateful for. I mean, I have lived in the house where I'm speaking to you from for many years, and I never noticed those sequin tree leaves until recently until I was slow down and look for this stuff. So, so, and I adore having it as a practice. I, I, I'm not a master at it. I mean, I still, I'm not one who can like have a bad thing happen and go, well, there's, you know, gratitude here. Like, I, I you know, it's, I'm, I'm not there yet. But Knockwood, you know, most of the time things are really just fine. And, and, uh, and so there's a lot of things to be grateful for. Like, my dog is here right next to me on the couch and he's got a blanket on him. And like, I'm so grateful that he sits here for most of the day. I work from home and he sits here most of the day. And I mean, there's just like a million things. I'm so grateful to be talking to you right now. I'm grateful for Zoom. Like if it wasn't for zoom, I wouldn't be able to see your face right now. And you know, everything that it's helped us with during the pandemic. And yeah, if I think if you start looking and you open yourself to like, I'm going to be grateful for the smallest thing, then, then you will overflow with opportunities to be grateful.
0: Yeah. I start my morning the same way in my journal. I start writing out what I'm grateful for and it could be the most mundane thing, like I'm really grateful for this cup of coffee because I'm tired, but then it turns into, oh, the birds are out because it's sunny. And so I'm so grateful to hear the birds singing. And I actually just learned that birds don't sing if they don't feel safe. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that they feel safe on my patio while I'm feeding them, you know, because I have a ton of bird feeders and, you know, they feel safe here and that makes me so happy. And, you know, so it does, it just kind of, you know, keeps going and bigger, it snowballs into something beautiful.
1: Yes. Yes. And then you see so many opportunities. You could be grateful, like all the time for little tiny things. Like I'm telling you, these slippers that I have on, like, I don't, it's not like I spend all day thinking about how great these slippers are, but like if if I just take seriously two seconds to notice, I'm like, Oh, my feet are nice and
0: cozy, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful. So do you do any kind of meditation practice?
1: I do. I do. Finally got serious about it um, maybe about a year and a half ago. I had always kind of, you know what? I wanted to be the kind of person who meditated, but then I just never did it. Or I'd be like, this is boring, or I am distracted, or my mind wanders too much, or whatever. And so I finally kind of forced myself. You know, you have that episode talking about building habits. And I had to be very intentional at the outset. Like I'm going to sit here. I I in the morning I meditate lying on my back and I started by doing it for three minutes and I set the timer and it was a long ass three minutes. You know, when you first get started, you're like, how long is three minutes? (laughs) But now I'm up to like, sometimes I do 12, sometimes I do 15, every morning. I do it before I do my journaling. I had experimented with doing it after, but by the time I'm done journaling, I don't feel like doing it. So I do it before. So I've been doing that daily for, like I said, about a year and a half. And I don't miss a day. Even if I miss the pages, I don't miss the meditation because I can always do it for a shorter amount of time. And then more recently, I've also added afternoon meditation using, using the app, So I have like six meditation apps (laughs) on my phone, but lately now I'm using the Headspace app because we got free access here in Los Angeles County to use the Headspace app. And I'm really enjoying that. And I treated myself to a meditation cushion. So I have this really pretty purple meditation cushion and I sit on that and I'm really enjoying that guided meditation in the afternoon. And then, like I said, just kind of a breath focused, no sound uh, meditation in the morning. I think it's helping me be uh, a little less reactive and, and, and more present, present to like those, like the little blessings that we were talking about.
0: Yeah. I use insight timer, but like you said, there's a million apps out there. And so for people who feel like I don't even know where to start, the the apps are a great place because you can choose a guided meditation, which is how I started. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that people think there is a right and wrong way to meditate, and there really isn't. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to be in the present. You're supposed to focus on your breath and you know not have distractions, but if the distractions come, you just notice it, say, thank you for being here. I'll come back to you later and you release it and you come back to the present moment. So I think that that's really what the key of meditation is. And there is no wrong way to do it.
1: Yes. I mean, any, any time you sit to meditate or lie down or stand or whatever you're doing it, you're already doing it with the intention you're doing it. I took a um, mindfulness meditation class recently, and it was like a six or eight week class, it was so helpful. And one of the things that she talked about in the class is she had one of those little kid glitter wands, you know, where you turn it over and the glitter drops down and you turn it over and... She uses that to meditate sometime and just watch the glitter. You can do it watching a candle flame. Just watch the candle flame, watch it flicker. And when you notice, oh, now I'm starting to think about my shopping list, just, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about shopping. I'm supposed to be watching the candle flame. And so there's a million ways to do it. And I love Insight Timer. And that's a free app. Like anyone can use it. It is free. You can listen to music on there, like meditation music. You can do a guided meditation. You can choose it by length. You can choose it by theme it is a wonderful wonderful resource i love that it's free so there's no like barrier to entry and and you're bound to find something that you like if you just kind of dig around in there so that has been that has been really helpful to me i've used insight timer with the guided meditations as well and and there's a lot of different techniques like if you dig into it it doesn't just have to be breath like i said it could be like this glitter wand like a teacher told us that so i'm like this is legit you know and uh, same with the with the candle flame or you can do it with, with body sensations, like feeling your, your butt on the floor, your butt in the chair and notice that, or notice your feet, your contact between your feet and the floor and tune into that. And then notice when I get distracted and, oh yeah, I'm tuning into my feet on the floor. Mm, or sometimes yeah. when I'm like, la- when I lay on my back, sometimes my cat will get on my chest. And then I just tune into that, the feeling of the weight of her on my chest and
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's just no wrong way. Right. I think that's really what it comes down to. So what is the most exciting thing you are working on right now? I know you've got your MBA, you've got your podcast, you just started a book club, but like, what is, what is the thing that is you're just wake up every day and you're like, I'm so excited about this.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's all of those things. And none of those things I'm excited to be, like still creating myself and learning about myself at this chapter in my life. I have a big milestone birthday coming up this summer and and I'm just excited about it. Like I'm, I'm excited that I still get to become more of who I am and that I don't even all the way know what that is, you know, that that's a discovery. So I would say that's what I'm most excited about. And the other things just kind of fit into that, you know, that creation. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's coming, but I feel I feel enthused that it's not like life is ending or middle age sucks or, you know, You, I don't know. I guess I always kind of thought like middle age sucks. And I mean, some of it sucks. Like I have chin hairs now that I'm not like crazy about, you know, but <laughs> but I didn't expect to be in such a position of like discovery and creation. And and I'm I'm really stoked about it.
0: That is such a perfect answer. I just love it. So, so, so much. All right. So how I would like to wrap up today is I will ask you five rapid fire questions and it's not that they have to be short answers. I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. What is something that makes you laugh?
1: Oh, my cat. She's very serious and it's hilarious. (laughs) She thinks she's super serious. And we joke that she's actually a person wearing a little tiny cat suit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because we say my dog is a cat because she always finds the sun to to lay in. (laughs) Pets are so delightful.
1: Like they are an endless source of delight.
0: Absolutely. Your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care. Oh, sleep. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. I love to, And I love to read before bed. Like that just feels so luxurious to like read before bed, get in bed early enough that I could read before bed and still get a solid eight hours. Yeah. I I love taking care of myself. Like
0: Oh, sleep is the best. Yes. What is something you do for fun?
1: Well, I like to ski. I like to like go out and play outside. So like, I like to hike or ride my bike or sometimes we have a dance party. I haven't done that in a while. I like to, yeah, I like to move around.
0: Dance parties. Love a good dance party. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, in our COVID dance party is just me and my husband, but like, it's a hoot. <laughs> All
0: right. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing?
1: Oh, I'd hang out with my husband.
0: Oh, yeah. that's so sweet.
1: Yeah. Maybe we could like <laughs> sit
0: outside or sit on a, you know, sit on a patio somewhere or just sit at the beach. Oh yeah. I love the beach. It is still <laughs> Definitely not beach weather where I am. So hopefully in the next two months, maybe. Yeah, we're very lucky here in Los Angeles. <laughs> All right. Last question, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would say, don't
1: push so hard, take it easy. And I would say, you know what? You are fine. You're not full of faults and like, and you're not ugly and you're not too fat. Just take it easy. Just just like be kind to yourself and and enjoy enjoy yourself. Enjoy being young. Enjoy that there's not a ton of pressure. Like, don't put pressure on yourself that doesn't exist or that only exists in your own head. Like I would have been, I would have told myself to to be a lot nicer to myself.
0: Mm, such great advice. This conversation has been so fun. It has just lit up my soul today. Would you please tell? my listeners where they can find you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's lit up my soul too. I like my cheeks are getting sore from smiling. Um, thank you. So I, uh, my podcast is called inner peace to go and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, you know, Sandy and yeah, love to love to meet you. Love to chat.
0: Great. And I will put all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for being here today. You have just made my day, and I love talking to you so much.
1: Oh, I'm so delighted. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I told you she was magical, didn't I? I had so much fun talking to Sandy that the time absolutely flew by. After conversations like this, I can't help but sit back and think how lucky I am that this is my life. I get to talk to people from all over the world that have unique and interesting perspectives, and then I get to share them with you. I'm so grateful you are here and continue to support me. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are five key takeaways from this episode. Number one, let journaling be a grounding place for you each morning. Having a place to put your thoughts, dreams, and worries can serve as a great way to start your day. Number two, most often it is our inner critic that holds us back from inner peace. We're always looking for the next bigger and better thing, which keeps us from noticing the tiny pleasures of life. Slow down and recognize the things that bring you peace. Number three, practicing gratitude, slowing down, and taking deep breaths allow us the room to notice what is beautiful and miraculous around us. Number four, Don't cheat yourself out of sleep. Getting more sleep and feeling rested can do wonders for your mood, energy, skin, and digestion. You'll also have more patience and optimism, and you will perform better in every aspect of your life. Number five, you can't be grateful and anxious at the same time. When you take time to notice what you're grateful for, you notice more things you are grateful for open yourself to small things and soon you'll overflow with opportunities to be grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and giving it a five-star rating and review. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day.